Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 262nd edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! They're on the way to win it! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. They're out of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. Front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champion. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome into another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. The gang is back together, Josh and Anthony. We're here with you guys once again today, because we got a game to talk about as Carolina held their final uh exhibition their final tune-up ahead of the 2023-2024 season last night as they took down division two uh saint augustine's 117 253 um in the smith center we're going to do all the normal stuff we do during a regular season game we're going to take a look at the box score i've got a quote from hubert davis we've got our stat of the game our main takeaways, and we got some other Tar Heel topics that we have to touch on that we haven't had a chance to with this week being a busy week with ACC tip-off and, of course, getting ready for last night's exhibition. But like I mentioned, uh, Carolina, the last time, really the first time we've seen them publicly against another team because we didn't get to see anything to come out of the Florida Atlantic scrimmage where Carolina was reportedly really, really good despite the Owls' best player uh, not playing in that game. It didn't matter if St. Augustine's best players last night would have played the games of their lives. Um, we knew going in um, that they didn't have the talent. They didn't have the depth. They didn't have the the ability. This is a, you know, as Roy Williams would say, we were just more gifted than them type of game. Um, as you would imagine with Carolina hosting a in-state Division II school um, in a public exhibition that Carolina does it to give that program the money. Um, and so I like that that tradition has carried over from Coach Williams now to Coach Davis. R.J. Davis was sensational. Um, 22 points, 20 of them in the first half, five made threes, four starters scored in double figures. And seven Tar Heels total reached double figures. And I think the thing you got to like about it the most um, is Carolina did it with without even playing full throttle. Jalen Withers didn't play. Seth Trimble didn't play. Um, 
Cormac Ryan didn't play in the second half. And I think the thing Anthony I was most anxious to see was after an offseason of talk about this was a team that's more together. This is a team that naturally wants to compete more than last year's team did. I wanted to see if that was going to translate onto the basketball court because I think if we would have went back to this time last year when Carolina was the preseason number one team and they played an exhibition at home, they didn't look so great. We probably should have read some more into it. But last night, um, even though the game doesn't count, it was a good first step to this team really putting last year behind them and, and really validating all the talk that the team and the program have done all offseason long. Yeah, one of the big issues that we've seen from the from these teams in the last few years is that when they play this type of exhibition, I mean, they've, they've of course, dominated in the end on the scoreboard, but it's never really looked quite like it looked last night where everything that you were seeing in that first half, you felt really good about. Um, I thought, you know, both ends of the floor, Carolina was just dominant. Um, I, I thought, yeah, you talked about R.J. Davis and how great he was. Um, that that first half, I mean, just showed you why th- this is a guy that looks like he could be ready to take that next step again and really continue his trajectory of the great point guards that we've seen uh, at Carolina since the turn of the century. So, I, I mean, there's there's so much to like. Um, you know, I, I think the Cormac Ryan injury was definitely one that was scary, but uh, Hubert said it, and I think we all probably thought this. Um, you know, it, it was a good sign that he was back on the bench for the second half. Uh, he, he, of course, was not going to come back into the game because it's an exhibition. Um, so I, I would be shocked if he's not ready for the start of the year. But really, everybody that you needed to see play well played well, and you saw, you know, some more – some more great play from some of the young bigs. Um, I thought last night the team shot the ball incredibly well. So there, there's just there's so much to like. And, yeah, it seems like a team that is a little more cohesive than the, than the group from a year ago, which is stunning considering that you've got all these guys that are transferring in. Last year's team was basically the same team coming back from the previous year. But it seems like the personalities of these guys just fit a little bit better. I, I do wonder if the group that they had previously, were there just too many personalities in one room and they just didn't mesh well together? Because this group, I know it's it, it's just you know a, a live action scrimmage against each other and then an exhibition game. But this looks like a group that is ready to do some damage this year in the ACC and, and, and give the Carolina not only a chance to make the NCAA tournament again, but a chance to potentially compete for the ACC regular season title. Yeah, I mean, I, I sent this tweet out, and if you're not following me, you can follow me at HTB underscore Josh on Twitter. You can follow Anthony at HTB Anthony. On Twitter last night, look it like it looked like Carolina basketball, um, because you know the return of the secondary break was evident. The 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 desire to push the ball up the floor, um, defensively 
the things that Carolina does well defensively, which is really speed the game up and make teams take bad shots, that returned. And, and all that just really culminated in the type of performance that we saw last night and really the emotion. You know, there were times that R.J. Davis looked more emotional in a good way last night after hitting threes than he did during the regular season at times a year ago. Um, and there was just – there's just something – there's just something different. And, you know, we're going to talk about some Caleb Love stuff at the end of the program. Um, I don't want to blame all the, the struggles last year on him. But, you know, when he's when he's not on the roster and, the, and everything just looks a little bit different – you know, it, it's going to be easy to look at him and say, well, that's a big reason why, you know, Carolina looked the way that they looked last night in their exhibition. Let's take now a look at the box score, and it's a pretty one for Carolina, as you could imagine. They shot 55% from the field. They were 43 of 78. We mentioned the defense, how they were dominant they were on that end. They held St. Augustine's to 27%. They were 17 of 64. The three-point shot, something that didn't look great against live action or in live action. But I think we came on here and said they took the right type of threes. Um, They took the right type of threes last night, 16 of 35. That's 46%. St. Augustine's, meanwhile, just 5 of 20. So Carolina defended the the three-point line really, really well. Um, The heels were 15 of 19 from the foul line. That's 79%. St. Augustine's 14 of 22. If you had one real bugaboo, it would be the, tur- the turnovers. Carolina turned it over 12 times, but only led to five points for the opponent. Meanwhile, 13 St. Augustine's turnovers, those tur- those turned into 28 points for Carolina, so roughly over two points per turnover. As you could imagine, with Carolina's height and size advantage, they dominated the glass 62 to 25. 43 to 17 on the defensive glass, 19 to 8 on the offensive glass, which Carolina converted those 19 offensive rebounds into 26 second chance points. <laughs> Hubert Davis was able to empty out his bench to the tune of 48 bench points last night. We got to keep in mind you're not going to get that uh, on a on a not on a regular basis, even in the non-conference portion of the season. Points in the paint 52 to 14 Carolina. How about fast break points? Tar Heels had a 25 to nothing advantage in that. Blocks 8 to 2 Carolina's uh, favor. St. Augustine did outsteal the Heels 7 to 6. Um, assists, 23 assists on 43 made baskets for Carolina. And St. Augustine's assisted on 10 of their 17 made baskets. And Carolina led for a whopping 39 minutes and 44 seconds in a 40 minute game. So I would look at it and say, no, they did a pretty good job uh, taking control of the game right out of the bat. Let's move on now to our quote of the game from Hubert Davis. And this was a, a an extension follow-up question to when they asked Harrison Ingram if this was the return of Carolina basketball. And they asked Coach Davis what his thoughts were, and he said, quote, it's fun to watch. I felt like at some points they were too unselfish, wide open. I love good to great shot opportunities. But passing up great to good to great to great to good, but that's a great problem to have. But as I said before, they were doing things that I feel like translates to the rest of the season. And that's and so that's on us to be able to continue and grow on what we've been able to do early in the season. But obviously I was very encouraged and liked what I saw, end quote. That's the quote from the head coach of Carolina basketball, uh, Huber Davis. And I, the thing I liked about that was he said that we did things that translate to the rest of the season. I kind of equated this, um, you know, in the preview 
uh, edition of the podcast that I somewhat did with Ashton and in the article that was uh, made available on HeelToughBlog.com. Because in in college basketball, you play an exhibition, you play a secret scrimmage, it's kind of like the NBA. You know, we, we work in an NBA market. We hear Steve Clifford talk all preseason about we're going to create habits now that are going to translate into the season. And you hope the good habits outweigh the bad habits. Well, you get the same opportunity in college basketball. You don't get it in college football because you have a spring game and then you don't take the field again until your your your, your season opener because you don't have a preseason scrimmage like you do in 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 uh, uh, in college basketball. And so there were so many things that I saw last night that even against better competition, starting with Radford in the season opener, that's a better team than St. Augustine's. But if Carolina does the types of things they did last night in the regular season, you're still going to get the same type of results. And, you know, I, I just – I hinder back to if we would have – maybe looked at the start to the season last year without Carolina Blue Eyes and, you know, without looking at them as a national championship type of team and just really tried to evaluate them, we should have saw the struggles from last year coming mm-hmm. because they didn't make the extra passes. They didn't, you know, push the floor off of makes. They didn't push the floor off of misses. They didn't defend as hard as they did at different points in the game last night. And so um, I think the best thing about it is, you know, Coach Davis, whenever they break down the film, he's going to be able to look at a lot of good things and say, if we do that in the regular season, it's going to translate. But also there was some stuff that Carolina could still clean up on, um, and that's something to be really encouraged about. Uh, Let's move on now to the stat of the game. And I don't know if you agree, disagree with this one. I went with assists to field goals because Carolina had 23 assists on 43 made baskets. That's 53% of their field goals being assisted on. You remember last year, Carolina was 14th in the ACC in assist to field goal percentage, 14th. Um, You know, uh, Coach Davis said at ACC Media Day, he basically said it's unacceptable. Um, and we they stressed all offseason long, you know, better ball movement, better shot selection. So that was my stat of the game, even though there were plenty uh, to choose from um, as Carolina really put together a really good performance. Now let's dive into our, our main takeaways. Um, and the first thing we're going to talk about is the starting five. Because I think it was maybe a little bit unknown, just given who was going to start and who wasn't, especially with, uh, and it maybe got clarified with Jalen Withers not being uh, available to play. Um, We know Seth Trimble, of course, was not going to be a starter. But Hubert Davis opted for a three-guard lineup. R.J. Davis, Cormac Ryan, Paxson Wojcik, Harrison Ingram, and Armando Baycott. Um, I've already been in a fight with Ashton, believe it or not. I gave him one one episode. Now he wants to argue with me mm-hmm. because he asked me why I was excited about Paxton Wojcik starting. And that's because I said all summer long I thought he was going to start. Somehow, little bro thought I said he was going to be a fringe rotation player. You go back to when Hubert Davis got the job. He said there's going to come a point in time where Carolina basketball plays three guards, a forward, and a big. And I don't know how much the injury to Jalen Withers impacts that. I don't know. But I think we have arrived at that point where that's going to be Carolina's starting five. 
It might not be their closing five. You could see Pax and Wojcik on the bench in, in favor of Elliot Cadeau. But I do think we have arrived at this being the way Carolina basketball is going to operate itself. What did you think of Hubert Davis's starting five in last night's exhibition? I mean, it's not a shock because I had seen from a few people that are around the program that said this was going to be the starting lineup for them. Um, I mean, I think honestly, there's there's a there's a lot of really good options that they would go to. I I was of the belief when the roster was put together that it would be Jalen Withers that would be the guy that would start. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I mean, I I think this might actually end up working better, and the reason why is because of what you saw from Harrison Ingram, the versatility that he brings. The ability to play, you know, at, at times, especially on the offensive end, play like a guard, but handle himself um, on the glass and defensively like a forward. I think he he just he gives you so many different things that playing him at the four makes a lot of sense. And so then you've got Paxson Wojcik, who uh, you know can shoot the ball. I know he didn't have a great shooting night last night, but still, um, he's got that ability. That's one of the main reasons that Carolina brought him in. And then you add in his rebounding ability. Um, I, I think Carolina's going to have a team that can rebound about as well as anybody in the country again this year. Um, they really weren't that type of team last year. They had moments where they looked like they were dominant on the glass. But this year's team, I think, is going to get back to being one of the best week in or, you know, game in, game out. So, I, I mean, to me, I, I – don't really think that anybody should be shocked by this. You know, Carolina is also going to want it. And, and w- with Cadeau, I mean, eventually he could be in the starting lineup. That's certainly possible. And if for some reason Cormac Ryan is that banged up and is not able to play in the first game of the season or, you know, uh, the first few games, then Elliot Cadeau is probably the guy that you're looking at. But the ultimate thing that Carolina is probably looking for from Cadeau, at least to start the year, is for him to bring energy off the bench. Because if that guy can be the dude that really sparks things when you need that off the bench, I I, I mean, I I think the sky is the limit for this team. As uh, he showed last night, I I thought that role fit him perfectly. So, um, you know, the good news is, too, his mom earlier in the day said that, you know, he's he's perfectly fine with that role. He's not mad about that. So fans shouldn't be mad about that. So, I, I mean, I feel like everything is going to work itself out. And for now, I mean, clearly Paxson Wojcik is doing what he has to do to earn that starting role. The thing I like about that starting five isn't to mainly say more so that I was right, because I remember we went on an edition with uh, the Locked on Heels podcast with our good buddy, Isaac Shade and I and I said Paxson Wojcik would, would would be a starter. Look at how more look at how open the floor was last night. I don't know if Jalen Withers can space the floor as well as Paxson Wojcik can because mm-hmm. he's not the shooter. And you mentioned the rough shooting night for Wojcik. He had eight points, three and nine shooting, um, two of six from three. There wasn't a shot that he took that I didn't like because he's played college basketball now for going on five years. So that shot selection is much better. And if he can rebound the ball the way that he did, you know, against tougher competition, seven might be a high number to ask on a consistent basis. 
But if he can average five boards a night, it makes it easier for Coach Davis to play that type of lineup because the biggest resistance to why Roy Williams didn't do it and why so many coaches don't do it is because if you play small, it's just naturally harder to rebound. Some programs don't care. Like mid-major programs, they don't have a choice because they need to spread the floor to shoot three-pointers. But I think in the ACC, it does matter because you're going to play some teams, a la Duke, a la Miami, that have legitimate size. And so I thought the floor is was more opened up with Wojcik, which makes for better driving lanes, which just means the defense has to collapse and you're getting better shots. And when you get better shots, you're going to make them, um, you know, a, a whole lot more often than not. I thought Harrison Ingram, first off, like maybe this was just my eyes, and we all know my eyesight's pretty bad. He looks to have like bulked up almost like 15, 20 pounds as opposed to when he first arrived, you know, in the summertime. Maybe it was just the way he looks in the actual uniform as compared to the practice uniform. Um, but he just looked to have really put on a little bit of muscle. But this is the guy that – this was the most coveted transfer that Carolina brought in this offseason. There's a reason why uh, during his, his, his recruitment, they took the whole staff to Dallas, Texas to make sure he ended up in Chapel Hill um, because I think he was deciding between Carolina and Kansas, if I remember correctly. This guy was 6, six of 11 from the field, 16 points, 2 of 4 from 3. You mentioned 9 rebounds, 3 assists. He did all of that in 25 minutes. I mean, I saw Coach Davis in person at ACC tip-off. I mean, glow up. He just lit up like a Christmas tree when talking about him. And I think we saw a re- I think we saw the first glimpse into that reason why with what he did on the court last night. Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's no doubt that he was the best transfer on the court last night. I mean, Cormac Ryan did some really good things in that first half. But, man, this dude, I mean, he looks the part of, of – a guy that is going to come in and potentially at the end of the season be an all ACC type member as long as, you know, different media members are actually voting on the all ACC team. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, he, he, uh, he showed you exactly what we had sort of heard about him is that he's so versatile. He can do so many different things and, you know, Carolina is going to be able to use him in a lot of different ways. That's the thing that you like about it because that means that you can run a bunch of different lineups with him on the floor. We were asking ourselves when Leaky Black left, who's the guy that's going to be able to guard the type of positions that Leaky Black was able to? And I don't – look, I don't think that Harrison Ingram, as of right now, is the same type of defender as Leaky Black. But I think he is going to be the guy that's going to be capable of doing that. And offensively, he's going to be able to affect the game in a way that Leaky Black wasn't able to when he was matched up against some of these different types of players. Um, you know, he, you, you saw the outside shot really come to him last night. I thought he had it. Uh, you know, he, he looked really good from behind the arc, which is something that uh, Carolina is hoping that they can get from him and really from all the transfers. Uh, but I think, you know, you even saw at times him get inside. You talked about the bigger frame. There's no doubt that he is much bigger um, in the upper body than he was when he came in as a transfer. And we were watching some of the video of him back at Stanford. I think part of that is because Carolina is trying to prepare him to be able to play inside as a four against some of those teams that you talked about 
that have more big men inside, particularly Duke. So I, I, I think what you saw last night is that this is a guy, you know, I, I've said for the longest time that I think Cormac Ryan will be the most impactful transfer. And I still think that is certainly possible. But I, I mean, Harrison Ingram is a guy that you saw last night is capable of making of having a huge effect on both ends of the floor and in certain games probably being Carolina's best player. And that's the thing that's so much different with all these these transfers that you're bringing in from a year ago. A year ago, it was really – you had three guys that could be your best player on the floor, um, you know, each and every night. But it feels like Carolina has so many different guys that can do that for them this year across the board and I I mean Harrison Ingram just showed you that you know while there are a lot of really good players on this team he may end up being the most important player on this team this season depending on you know what he's he's able to do once he gets in season against tougher competition on that defensive end of the floor. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a guy that I mean, he's a he's a dynamic wing player, and he's really something Carolina hasn't had at that position from an offensive standpoint since Cameron Johnson. Um, and that's not to show throw shade at Leaky Black, but we just know Leaky wasn't an offensive player, and there was a reason why in big games last year teams were able to funnel the offense to him, and that's why they Carolina lost a lot of games because you didn't have a shot maker. Uh, on the floor that, that that can make those type of shots. Ingram can, and I think will be that guy as the season does move along. Just want to touch on Armando Baycott. Kind of a quiet double-double, 13 and 10, 3 of 6 from the field, 7 of 9 um, from the foul line. Looks to have more bounce, though. Looks a little bit leaner. Um, looks to just have a little bit more explosive to his body. Um, so that was nice to see. Um, and then R.J. Davis, you know, who led the way with 22 points, 8 of 14 from the field, you know, started 5 of 6 from 3, finished 5 of 10, um, 3 assists. Our first real time seeing him without Caleb Love, I thought he looked comfortable. I thought he looked confident. And um, I think he looks like he's ready to be the the floor, the floor general for this team, no longer having to share um, those duties with, with, with Caleb Love. Now let's get to uh, just some other takeaways from from the game last night. Um, we'll start with Elliot Cadeau because I think of, I mean, maybe right beside, uh, uh, right behind Harrison Ingram, maybe this is the guy we were all anticipated to see. Uh, maybe even more so just because of all the hype around him. Uh, preseason ACC Rookie of the Year. Um, seven points, three of six from the field, didn't make a three-pointer. Um, three rebounds, four assists. And maybe just part of this playing is, you know, his first real somewhat game in front of a crowd or whatever, did commit four fouls in his 22 minutes. But, um, you know, you kind of got – I'm going got upset at me. You, when uh, we talked about him in the last edition that you were on, I talked about how it takes a lot for me to get excited about a freshman. That, um, a, you know, because I'm really reserved with, you know, 18-year-olds coming into the program. Even more so when there should be seniors in high school reclassifying to join the program. Um, I talked about how I drooled over him then, and I'm still drooling over him now because he looks the part. There's an energy, there's a confidence that is contagious, and it just really permeated throughout the team. And you can see whether he comes off the bench or whether he works his way into the starting lineup, 
this guy is going to impact the game in so many different ways for Carolina because to be 17, 18 years old, he just he just gets it. He knows when to hunt a shot. He knows when to make the right you know the right extra pass, and um, I think he's really validated his decision to reclassify and join the team for the upcoming season. Oh, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I, I was interested to see would he be able to build off of the live action scrimmage because I mean, look, you're playing against guys that you're familiar with. You've been playing against them all summer. So, yeah, there's there's a chance that you could look really good in that type of game. But then when you go up against a different opponent, it's it's a much different look for you. Didn't see that at all. I thought he was phenomenal last night. Um, again, you just see, I mean, the way he moves the ball, I, I mean, how effortless the passes are. Um, it seems like every time that he passes the ball, it's either to an open guy or it because of a pass that he makes, it creates someone else on the floor being open. I, I mean, it's just I, it it's something Carolina has lacked for a few years now, and it was sorely missing in this offense. I think the other thing is is that somebody like him, and and it's not you know credit to all the other guys as well, especially you know a guy like R.J. Davis, who I think looks much more comfortable running the point now that he knows he is uh, for for the time being the starting point guard on this team. Uh, you just see from the entire team that having a guy like that that can move the ball that easily, it, it makes them want to move the ball with the same type of efficiency. And it, it's, I mean, it's worked out. I mean, this looks like a completely different team than the last few years. The last few years, there were times where this team couldn't even make an entry pass without, you know, us having to hold our breath and pray that it wasn't going to be a turnover. We haven't really seen that so far in the scrimmage or now the exhibition. And again, it, it's St. Augustine's University. It's not a world-beating group. But at the same time, I mean, just the way they move the ball in the half court, the way they move the ball in the open floor, and this guy is just – I mean, every pass that he makes is outstanding. I thought, you know, in terms of the scoring – wasn't quite as effective as he was in the scrimmage, but I think part of that was everybody else was having a great night around him, and he knew just to, you know, get out of the way, let some of those guys, you know, do their thing, and all I have to do is find is find them uh, on the floor. And I think that's one of the other things about him that a lot of people are going to welcome. It's felt like in the past sometimes – some of these younger point guards that Carolina has brought in, a lot of these guys are – and part of it is 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 because of the groups, the, the, the teams that are around them. They, they've basically been told coming in, and I don't know if it's inside the program or if they're hearing the noise from the outside, that they have to be the guy. It's on them. They control – especially Cole Anthony. I mean, how much did we put on his plate where we said, look, this is your team, man. you got to go out there and you've got to take over games. That's not what Elliot Cadeau has to do. And he looks like the type of guy that can sometimes be that guy that says, look, I need to take over the game and I need to find a way to win it for us. I can do that. Like I did in the like I did in the scrimmage. Nearly found a way to pull that out. Um, but 
there are going to be times where my teammates are having great performances. I just need to find them with the basketball and kind of get out of the way on in, in terms of shooting. That's fine. I can do that as well. So that's going to be extremely welcome. Um, I will say with the fouls, that's the reason why he's probably not starting. It, it's a, you know, he's, he's very high energy on all ends of the floor and you saw it on the defensive end of the floor, but at times being that aggressive can lead to foul issues like we saw. So that's one area that they've got to get cleaned up. It's probably the reason why they're not going to start him or play him probably 30 minutes. They're going to, you know, coach Davis is going to have to be strategic with how he uses them because there will be moments like that throughout the year. Um, But that's something that he's going to have to work on. But Hey, if that's the thing that you're really concerned about with his game and everything else you feel very confident about, that's a great position to be in with a freshman point guard that is reclassing and should still be a senior in high school. Yeah, no, I I think he's gonna I think he's gonna be phenomenal. And you mentioned, you know, about how many guys we've asked to take over games from a scoring perspective. The thing that he can do is the same thing Kendall Marshall did. He can take over a game with his passing and mm-hmm. control a game with his passing. And so whether he's hunting his own offense or not, when he's on the court, he can still be the best player on the court with his ability to to just distribute the basketball, whether it's in the open floor, whether it's in the half court. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And I think it's going to be something that's going to unlock uh, a gear for this team offensively. We just haven't seen really since that 2019 season when Kobe White and the boys had a lot of fun scoring, you know, 85 points. It felt like every time on the court. Another guy we were interested to see how he would build off of what he did in the live action scrimmage was Aiden High. Um, and, and the more that I, I watch him, I, I don't see how he doesn't have some sort of a role. He recorded a double, double off the bench, 10 points, 11 rebounds, four of six from the field in 20 minutes. And it's, and and it's not to take away from his talent because you don't get to play at Carolina unless you've got the ability to, the effort is, is off the charts. It's the energy. It's the little things. I mean, the game was out of hand, and he's you know he's tipping the ball up in the air. He's diving on the floor for loose balls. He's running the floor hard to to, to create a passing opportunity for himself at the rim, and, and that's that's something that you know frankly we just haven't we haven't seen from a freshman big in in in, in quite a while. And maybe it's because he knows, look, with Armando Baycott on the roster, with Jalen Washington, who played really well last night as well, you brought in a transfer and a Conquo that also can can be a a part of this team. That's how he's going to get his minutes. That's how he's going to earn his spot. And you know what? He's doing what Dontrez Styles, what Tyler Nickel, what DeMarco done, what all the guys didn't do last year to earn a spot in the rotation which was simply just give 100% effort in practice and in games. And, you know, I'm not sitting here saying he's going to be the first, second, third guy off the bench, but I think we kind of entered the year thinking Zayden High would maybe kind of be almost like a glorified redshirt type of player where he'd maybe play in some games, not playing a whole lot. If he puts this type of effort on the floor on a consistent basis, it's hard for me to imagine him not having some sort of a role throughout the 23-24 season. Oh, I mean, there's there's no doubt. And it's, and it's from the start. 
I mean, if you would have told me that, hey, he comes in, he's you know does some good things in the non-conference, and he earns a little bit of a role for himself as a consistent, you know, end of the rotation type guy in the conference season, I would have said, okay, I, I could probably see that. This dude doesn't look anything like this, the dude that I saw when I watched him in prep school. And again, I don't know if it's because Arizona Compass Prep just didn't know how to use him. Um, I know he he was banged up a little bit, but this just looks like a completely different player. I mean, you talked about double double. He had three blocks as well. So yeah, you got you know you you've got some good things from your other bigs in terms of rim protection. But this is a guy that's you know doesn't have quite the size that some of the other bigs on the roster do. And he's still, I mean, protecting the rim about as well as we've seen anybody for Carolina in recent years. That's one thing that's sort of been lacking consistently for Carolina. So if he can bring that, you know, to me, I, the thing that I like the most about it is you talked about just the the, the high motor, um, 100% at all times. I mean, this dude is going to give Carolina something off the bench they haven't had in a while. How many guys have come off the bench for Carolina in recent years, especially big men that are just relentless, that just they're, they're energy-type players? You don't see that in recent years. A lot of the guys that come off the bench, there's not somebody that can really completely change the mindset of everybody on the floor. This is the type of guy that it seems like has the ability to potentially do that. And, I mean, look, I I thought Jalen Washington played really well towards the end of the game. I thought when, you know, for the majority of the game, I I thought Zayden High was the better player. And if he can prove that he can defend the five, it's going to be really interesting between those two as to who gets the minutes. Because I think – Zayden High has a really good opportunity to, if he keeps playing the way he is, be that primary backup. And that is something I did not think I would be saying this early in his career. Um, you know, the, the 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 thing you see, like the area that I questioned him most was what he would be able to do on the offensive end. And I think in in both both the times that we've seen him, um, he's been really, really good on that end of the floor. He's done some tremendous things. So, I mean, Carolina, one of one of the things I think that a lot of people were worried about a little bit with this team was the depth, the depth uh, you know, down low, especially, you know, because you had Armando Baycott and then, you know, Jalen Washington, and that was pretty much it. Some people were also questioning, you know, who would be able to slide into that four spot. Was there anybody there? There wasn't really an obvious guy. Now we know that that is probably going to be Harrison Ingram. So I think people were kind of worried about that. But I got to tell you, man, this depth down here is probably about as good as we have seen in a few years, because I think that there are four guys that are capable of impacting the game. Okonkwo is probably a guy you don't want to see a ton of because he is pretty limited on the offensive end. But, I mean, what he does defensively, I think there could be a role for him. And for Carolina to have that type of depth down low 
it just shows you how how impactful this offseason was for Hubert Davis and his staff and really how he made the right decision not to play in the NIT at the end of the year. Yeah, you look at Jalen Washington last night, 14 points, 5 of 8 from the field, even knocked in a couple three-pointers, grabbed five rebounds in 16 minutes. Looks more healthy, looks more explosive, looks more comfortable, looks more confident. And and then Okonkwo in 13 minutes, four points, five rebounds, really a defensive rebounder, rim-running big. Um and look, there's 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 a role for that in today's basketball. You can make a living being that type of big man. Um, Clint Capella does it for the Atlanta Hawks, you know. And, and so I think the thing that Carolina has throughout its entire roster is flexibility, and that's just something they they didn't have they didn't have last year. Um, they really just haven't had it really since the 2018-19 season, last time they won a regular season ACC championship. And the last time they really entered the tournament with expectations, um, because when they made the, the 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 national title game two years ago, they were an eight seed. That wasn't a, that wasn't expected of them. And and so, I think that's the thing. And I, you know, we said it all summer long, and we stressed it. This is the first roster that you can look at and say this is Hubert Davis's roster, and he still has holdovers that you know. He didn't necessarily <clears throat> recruit as the head coach and being R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott, but those were two dudes we all said when the program was going overhauled, you can't lose them. You need those guys in your locker room um, to really give yourself a chance this year. And so I think that's why we're all excited. Um, I think we're all cautiously optimistic. No, this team isn't the favorite to win the ACC, but they're the most intriguing team in the league, I think, uh, because there's there's a lot of unknown. But as as the unknowns become known, they could transform into Carolina being a legitimate threat to win the conference as they try to reemerge to the national scene uh, in the college basketball world. So that's our take at the or those are our takeaways from the exhibition. But we're not done because uh, we got some other things that we just haven't had a chance to get through or get to this week, um, just given how busy the, the basketball season kind of snuck up on us um, and some news kind of just all came out at once. Um, and I wanted to do this type of stuff with uh, with Anthony as opposed to, you know, doing it solo the other day by myself or when Ashton was with on, with on the other day. Um, the first thing was R.J. Davis not making any preseason All-ACC team. And – I. You know, like to me, this is it's it's really voting malpractice. Um, now I didn't get a ballot, you didn't get a ballot. Wes Bryant, my show host who works for the digital network, he didn't get a ballot. So I don't know if they had some balloting issues and you know, maybe they just let AI vote on who the preseason all ACC teams are gonna be. But you're you're telling me there are ten better players in this conference than R.J. Davis? Look, I know Tyrese Proctor at Duke had a massive finish to the end last year, and he's a he's a he's a good basketball player. Got a chance to talk to him. He's an impressive young man. Is he a better point guard than R.J. Davis is? Like R.J. Davis has done this for four years, and each year he's gotten statistically better during his time at Carolina. And he doesn't get rewarded with the preseason All ACC team. Mm-hmm. Like now, if 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 this is going to fuel the fire and he's going to tick him off and he's going to play, 
you know, like a madman all year long. I'm here for it. But we, you know, it feels like every year we get done with these 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 media days and we get some sort of voting and we go, how did that come out of the voting? And this is one of the most mind-blowing things. Um and I know we're going to sit here and say we're going to look at it through Carolina blue eyes and everything, but I, I watch this league night in, night out. I I watch every team in the conference play just about, you know, two, three, four times a year on average. And then, you know, the bigger teams I watch them play more often than not. There aren't 10 better players in this conference than R.J. Davis. And how he wasn't named to the preseason all-ACC first or second team is really is really mind-blowing to me. Well, I mean, the, the voting was very strange. So th- I, I found this out. I don't know how uh, well my guy Bone found this out, but he said that apparently this year it was a select group that was allowed to vote on this, and they were selected by the SIDs. I don't really understand that. I don't understand how that's allowed, but apparently that's how it works. They, they want the... SIDs to select or the, or the certain people to select the group because they feel like they're more qualified. I guess they felt like there were too many random selections in years past. Who knows? Um, I don't really think it makes any sense because they do it for football and they're it's it seems to work out relatively well. Um, and I do truly believe that most people. Uh, would have had R.J. Davis somewhere on here. Now, the building of the preseason all-ACC teams make no sense anymore. First of all, if you look at the first team for this year, there are no guards on this team. Zero. It's Filipowski, Baycott, P.J. Hall from Clemson, Reese Beekman from Virginia, and Norchad O'Meara. Um, by the way, uh, there are some really good players there. Um primarily Reese Beekman is not a better player than R.J. Davis. He's not. I don't think so. Um, The second team, Judah Mintz, who is a really good player for Syracuse, I would probably still have R.J. over him, although that one is pretty close. I really do like Judah Mintz. Uh, Nigel Pack from Miami, I'd take R.J. Davis over him. Uh, Blake Henson from Pittsburgh. I I mean, are we serious here? Like, yeah, he had a big year last year for them, but not even close to the player that R.J. Davis is. Tyrese Proctor, yes, I would take uh, R.J. over him as well. And even Quentin Post. Like, Quentin Post is a good player for Boston College, one of the better ones they've had in a long time. Quentin Post at a New Balance school. Quentin Post has no business being on an all-ACC preseason team. I'm sorry. Like, maybe if you're doing it, but even if you're doing it based on how it used to be done, where you pick three forwards and two guards, you, you wouldn't have him on there because of some of the forwards. Like, come on, man. that That's a that's a horrible, horrible look for the people that are voting on this to leave him off. But it's like you said, hopefully it serves as a little bit of motivation for him. And, you know, maybe eventually people will stop sleeping on this dude. I mean, we we said this last year when they had the preseason uh, all-ACC voting. And, you know, last year I think you could have made more of an argument because R.J. Davis in his first two years was really good, but he didn't have the statistical type of year that he did a year ago that would ju- – that, that, 
would basically make him a no-brainer to be an all-ACC preseason-type player. Last year should have locked it up. And, again, I don't know how many of these people actually follow the league in depth. If you you did, you would know that the way that he played before the injury to his finger was – I mean, you were talking about a dude that was on pace to probably finish with 18, maybe 19 points a game. He was really starting to take his game to the next level. So – It's just a horrible job, and I mean, look, man, the SID's got to do a better job than that. If if they're going to vote this group to make these selections, they need to actually pick people that know ACC basketball because clearly the group that they picked the other day, they're not watching the entire conference. Yeah, no, it was really just – it was really asinine. Um, When I saw those lists come out, um, I was trying to react to them in in, in real time, and – you know, like I said, I think we know how competitive R.J. Davis is. Um, I think there might have been some reason why he's a little bit more fired up last night for an exhibition game, coming off 24 hours and not being named to a preseason All-ACC team. And so um, I feel like this will be one that when we gather for the ACC tournament and we're giving out ACC awards for the year, the media is going to have to swallow its pride and say, you know what, we were wrong because this is uh, one of the 10 best players Um and all of, 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 of the ACC. All right. We teased a, a, like a conversation around Caleb Love, and that's because <clears throat> the Hoops Herald Twitter account had a little bit of, I guess, you know, insight into his departure. And I'm going to read um, two pieces of, uh, of an article that, that, that really came out about his departure. Um, and it goes like this. Uh College kids are in college athletics by choice, but they're also flawed and exposed nevertheless. Sometimes they're Caleb Love walking into head coach Hubert Davis's office for an individual meeting in March after three years, 101 games, 1,476 points, and a Final Four run at North Carolina expecting honesty and shared disappointment, but encountering something with Grimmer. Love asked his head coach, what do you see my future as? Hubert Davis replies, I don't know. Love later calls his dad emotionally staggered. He has to figure out where to go after reaching the end. It hurt, Love says now. It hurt me. Because you put your trust in this coach after Coach Williams leaving. You put your trust in him. I stayed. I could have left and went somewhere else. But I put my trust in him. We had some semi-success. And obviously we didn't win it the first year. And then the second year, things went to shambles. It was like, I'm the same player, Coach. I'm the same player that was on that national championship run. And for for him to say that, it definitely hit home. Um, I think there's two sides to this, to be honest with you. If, if that's exactly how the conversation went, it's not the best look for, for Huber Davis. And you can push back on me if, if you disagree with this. Because I don't want to outright call a college kid a liar. I have a hard time thinking that he went into that meeting and got told, I don't know. Now, I can't confirm that, I can't, but I also can't deny it because we weren't in the room. But I feel like Hubert Davis knew whenever he decided not to go to the NIT what some of the guys' future on the team were going to be. 
And I'm not saying it was right for us to point the finger all at Caleb Love for the issues that that happened last year. But you can definitely tell that he was a big reason as to why Carolina just didn't have the type of success you wanted to have last year. Whether that's right or wrong is not up for us to decide. When we go back to a game at, at Wake Forest where Caleb Love got fouled and got fouled hard and was laying on the floor for a, a you know a few couple seconds to gather himself and his four other teammates on the court didn't go bother help him up that speaks volumes about the way your teammates feel about you and about the culture that exists in the locker room or the lack of culture that exists in the locker room same thing with the chemistry and so um you know and i can see where he's coming from where it's like i stayed i put my trust in you and I was the same guy that helped you reach a national championship. But I think there's some pushback there because if that were the case, I think the team would have been much more together than what we saw on the court at times last season. I mean, that's the thing. Like, there's so many different things that could go into this. You know, we don't know what the the relationship was between him and coach Davis before that conversation. Um, it, I mean, it could have changed even from the previous year to whenever that conversation took place. I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I have no idea what to believe. I will say this. We've talked with Hubert Davis, not here, but on the station, we've talked with Hubert Davis multiple times um uh, we've seen him in a bunch of different pressers interviews hubert davis is not a man of few words he's a very eloquent person he will lay things out and to be honest with you i feel like if he really didn't know there would be more to it than just i don't know um I, I mean, it's it's a weird situation. I don't really understand why this is coming out now. Why was this not something that came out earlier in the offseason? I just, like, to me, it comes out this close to the season, too. Like, just focus on what is happening on the court. And, I, I mean, if it, this... Right now, like nobody on the team should care about this at all. Um, I don't think Hubert Davis does, um, but you know it, it. It is what it is. We have no idea. It's so hard to make a judgment on this because we don't know anything about these conversations. I will. The, the one thing I will say is, you would think that if this interaction actually happened, wouldn't would the been a response question about it. from the Love family be a little bit more? harsh when he initially entered the transfer portal like that's the thing that's just mysterious to me everything seemed like it was fine it was cordial during that time and now all of a sudden it feels like it's taken a different turn here i i don't know uh, very 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 strange situation yeah and i also feel like i mean uh now of course we didn't ask this question at acc tip-off but this came out before ACC tip-off. Uh, don't you think the media would have maybe asked about that? Um, as far as I can remember to my recollection, this never got brought up. 
Um, and maybe maybe Carolina basketball would let it be known going into the day. Don't ask questions about it. They have the they have the the power to do such a thing. Well, I don't think they did that. I think honestly, probably what it was was nobody asked the question because they knew they weren't going to get any sort of visceral response. Like, yeah. Davis is not that type of guy that's just going to come out and say, ah, yeah, you know, he's a liar or whatever. It's just they they were going to get nothing. So I guess most people just said, ah, you know what? It's not even worth asking it. Two more things and we'll get out of here. Um, Armando Baycott's been named to the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar watch list, which goes to the best center in college basketball. Um, Really just another award that, you know, Carolina's got R.J. Davis, the Bob Cousy Award, best point guard, but yet not a preseason All-ACC. Guy Harrison Ingram to the Julius Irving Watch list, which is the best small forward. Now you've got uh, Armando Baycott for the best big man. Um, big reason why you can see Carolina having a turnaround type of year because the talent that you need to have at Carolina, it's there once uh, in, in Chapel Hill. Last thing, um, you know, we knew that the the from the radio side, the program was going to have to find um, some guys to to fill in this year. We know Eric Montross, who's been battling cancer. He announced during the live action event he would not be, uh, you know, on the call on the Tar Heel Sports Network this year as he continues to courageously uh, battle uh, his 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 fight with cancer. Of course, we want to continue to extend our thoughts and prayers to Eric Montross and his family. Um, keep fighting because you know we 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 all we all want you to pull out uh, on the other side, and we believe that you're going to pull out uh, on the other side. Uh, we can't wait to have him back on a headset. But they had to announce new broadcasters for the upcoming season. We didn't know which way they were going to go. Well, they went with the quartet of guys. Uh, former UNC basketball players, Joel Berry II, who won a national championship in 2017. Pete Chilcutt, Marcus Ginyer, who won a national championship, along with Tyler Zeller, as those guys were on the 09 rosters. They will all step into the role of color analyst on the Tar Heel Sports Network this year. Um, of course, Jones Angel, not going anywhere. He'll still remain the voice of Carolina basketball. Um, what do you think? about these guys uh you know join joining joining the booth because you know I think they had a couple of different options that that, that they could have went with. I never really saw a quartet of guys being in the fold, but that's ultimately the way that Carolina basketball and Learfield went as they look to uh not 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 replace Eric Montross, but just let some substitutions take place for the upcoming season. Yeah. Um I thought this was a possibility that they would rotate some guys, especially with, you know, the travel and everything like that. There might be guys that it fits their schedule, uh, you know, a, a little bit better as well. So I thought it was certainly possible. It's a very interesting group. Um, I thought, you know, look, Joel Berry makes a lot of sense. Joel's been doing television now for a couple of years, um, knows the program very, very well, and I think will give a very interesting perspective. Um, also a guy that I think will bring, you know, a, a lot of energy, but will also kind of bring that 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 Tar Heel love and fandom to the broadcast we've seen that at times when he's on television we've seen it at times you know when he's kind of talked to us on on the main wfnz airwaves like this dude loves carolina so it'll come across i think in the broadcast pete chilcutt that's a throwback guy um definitely a guy that i think is is 
a, a good fit. And I think that was one of the things that Carolina needed to do. They had to find somebody that had that sort of old school perspective because the other three guys are modern era guys. So to get a guy like Pete that can come in there, um, Pete is very, very involved in the UNC community, still very interactive with the fan base um, and very connected to a lot of the former players as well. I think he will be bring a very interesting perspective when he's on the sidelines. Um, Marcus Ginyard, we saw him last night. I think Marcus is is really, really good. Um, I think very, very informational, a guy that's going to do his work and a study. Um, he's he's going to give you a, a really good insight into the game. I, I thought last night he was really phenomenal alongside Matt Krause, and I think he'll do a great job alongside Jones. And then the, the, the most interesting one is Tyler Zeller. That was not the Tyler I thought would be the guy that would be in there. Uh, I thought it would be Tyler Hansborough because we've seen him before. Um, but, you know, Zeller, it, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see what, what he brings. Um, we honestly um, haven't really seen much of him since he left Carolina. Um, you know, I think he's been to games and stuff like that, but we haven't really seen a lot of interviews with him. Um, and he's a guy that's been relatively quiet and, and sort of reserved, which makes sense. That was the type of guy he always was. Um, so it, it'll be intriguing to see what it's like with Jones. Clearly, there is something that they saw. They probably did, you know, some sort of tryouts or something like that for some of these guys. And clearly he he impressed them. So I'll, I'll be really interested to turn down the TV and turn on the radio and listen to these guys call games. Because I think all four are going to do really fantastic jobs this year. And it's it's going to work perfectly alongside a guy in Jones Angel, who I think is tremendous at what he does. Uh, of course, brings a lot of energy, has the care factor that you want because he's a Tar Heel guy. Um, and I think it's just so flexible and versatile that he can work with just about anybody. So it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, no. Both Montross and Jones Angel made statements. We'll start with on. We'll, we'll start with Montross, and he said, "Quote: I am thrilled. Marcus, Pete, Joel, and Tyler have agreed to be a part of the broadcast team this season. Our Tar Heel Sports Network listeners will appreciate not only their deep knowledge and respect for the collegiate game and its players, but also their unique personalities, senses of humor, and personal experiences on the court, which will make for an exciting listening experience for younger fans." as well as those who have been following the game for decades. And the Jones Angels said, quote, We have assembled a tremendous group who will contribute greatly to the broadcast this season. We will miss Eric, and I can't wait till his return to our broadcast where he belongs. In the meantime, I know Joel, Marcus, Pete, and Tyler will do him, us, and Carolina proud. I know my dad, for one, lifelong Carolina basketball fan, when I told him Pete Shilcutt was going to be uh, you know, on the call, that kind of got him excited because – Pete Shilcutt was to him what some of these guys were to us. It was a guy that played for the team when my dad was a teenager and was really first falling in love with Carolina basketball. So it'll be fun for him to hear him on the call. Of course, everyone knows my love affair with Joel Berry II, one of my favorite Tar Heels of all time, and Marcus Ginyard and Tyler and Tyler Zeller, guys that also were a big part of the Roy Williams era of the program. So with that, guys, 
we're going to get out of here um, because this was a jam-packed episode. We covered a lot of different topics. Uh, but before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to visit the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where you know basketball season is upon us, and you can see the site trending in that direction as, as the, the content has really started to pick up. As we're just over a week away from the season getting underway, we had you covered with all things St. Augustine's. Um, there's a there's a recap of the game that you can go and find. We did a podcast edition of five questions that the program must answer. There's also going to be an article. Ashton wrote an article that will be on the website this weekend as well. Football at Georgia Tech this weekend. Previews up on the site and, of course, after the game. We'll have you cover the recap and a stock report and an injury report on Monday when Mac Brown addresses the media. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. We're on every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.